Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dudas Journey podcast. I am your host, the Reverend Philip K. And today we'll be talking about life and changes and things and me feeling like I got my heart ripped out of my ass. So, yeah, buckle in. Mm. Gather around, children. It's story time. Oh. Uh, uh, for the just to start things off, let you know that Dudaism is not a religion; it's a philosophy. It's the art of peace. Um, it's modern day Taoism. Um, I'll actually talk more about Taoism at a time. But I have episodes you can look at, like uh, fifteen teachings from Dudaism. You can take a look, and uh, even um, uh, other other bits and you find the scene. I always try to mention, you know, what's Dudaism's perspective on this subject. And most of the time, it's just uh, do what you like. Smoking my home-rolled hemp cigarette. Mm. Like I'm smoking an old pipe. <laughs> Indeed, good time. Indeed. <laughs> oh, shit, that went out. I'm not good at rolling. I'm trying to get good at rolling. You'd think for someone who smokes that I would have learned this shit years ago, but I did not. I keep trying to use these flavored papers, and they don't taste like the flavor. Oh, man. <coughs> don't smoke, kids. Uh, so what have I been up to? Well, um, I took a little time off because I took a trip to California. I went back to see family and friends. Um, if this is your first time hearing the show, uh, the show started back in 2020 when I lost my little brother to a drug overdose. And recently, in December of 2022... I lost my wife to cancer. So, yeah, just fucking great. Mm. Wonder why I'm smoking and drinking. Yeah, yeah, take a wild fucking guess. And so I tried to make it a nice trip. And, you know, the South has been, like, super friggin' hot, man. And so I go to California thinking, hey, well, I'll go to the coast, man, get some of that coast weather. My plane lands and my pilot goes, uh, Attention everyone, we've landed safely here in California. Just wanted to let you know that the weather is currently 110 degrees, so stay cool out there. Ah, shit. <laughs> it's like, fuck, I just traded one heat wave for another here. Mm. But I did get to see my mom on the coast, and my mom is literally right there next to the beach. And so um, it was like 65 degrees. It was gorgeous, beautiful. It was mist and everything. And she lives around all this farmland. And there's strawberries, man. Just endless fields of fucking strawberries. Mm. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. It's nice. I didn't want to fucking leave there. But a lot of my family, they live um, in the California desert. <coughs> so, yeah, yeah. The heat is different, though, of course, because in the South we have a lot more humidity. So if, you, if you're outside for like 10, 15 minutes uh, in Texas or in the South, you're just going to be dripping sweat. You're going to be covered totally and completely in your own sweat. Your shirts will be soaked. But in like Cali, where I was at near the desert, it was a real dry like heat. And so it was real, um, real easy to kind of like, you, you didn't get sweaty to like maybe 20, 30 minutes. You were still hot, but you didn't sweat as bad. So 
it's one of the things that I, I do miss there. Uh, but um, I went there, and my, my wife is buried out there. Um, she's buried next to her grandparents, and um, I thought going there would be, you know, therapeutic. I thought it would um, help with closure or some shit. I don't fucking know. <clears throat> but it didn't. I It was terrible. I, I did this whole therapy of reading a letter. And um, like I said, I thought it was going to help. But honestly, man, I just... God, I fucking cried like fucking crazy. It was just... I, I felt like I ripped open a wound that I've been trying to heal for the past seven months and just just ripped that fucker right open and threw a bunch of salt on it, man. Now fucking cry. <sighs> so that's what kind of influenced... Uh, tonight's subject and i plan to read the letter that i read to my wife um at, at the end of the episode here i hope i don't cry <laughs> i might but i just hope that i don't uh but meanwhile uh, the Barbie and Oppenheimer movie have come out and everyone's like oh you gotta go see the Barbie movie no <laughs> I'm not a five-year-old girl. I don't want to watch a fucking Barbie movie. Fucking really? Oh God! And then Oppenheimer's like, well, Oppenheimer's a very intense drum. It's about a guy who builds the fucking a bomb. Whoopity doo! Who gives a shit? You see, that's my problem with um, as I've gotten older. I have less fucking patience for like films and television shows i'm very selective about what i watch i only have so much time because i'm a parent and now i'm a single parent so i have a, even less fucking time right now my four-year-old is sleeping in my fucking bed because it couldn't she couldn't sleep in her fucking room so she had to come into my room come into my bed and she brought in a hundred fucking stuffed toys i don't know where i'm gonna sleep <sighs> fucking christ Ugh, so I'm very selective about what I watch. So I don't watch everything. Some people talk about this series or that. Like uh, uh, Downton Abbey, never seen an episode. Ted Lasso, never fucking seen it. And I'm not phased by it either. And I even know one of the writers on Ted Lasso. You know, you think I would watch this support, but I was like, no, I'm sorry. It's just, it doesn't interest me. See, when before I see a film, I ask three questions. Is it a horror? Is it a mystery? Is it sci-fi? If you don't answer yes to one of those questions, I'm not going to see your fucking film, okay? I mean, it, it, a comedy, maybe, but it depends on who's in the comedy. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm very selective. And speaking of movies and stuff, just got the news today that Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, has passed away at the age of 70 after a bout with cancer. He wasn't really public about the cancer. It was a private thing between him and his husband. And so, you know, that that's their whole thing. So I do a post, you know, just like, hey, you know, like um, I have this thing where I always like, today's going to be a great day. And then I read the news and something terrible happens. And I'm like, and I'm going back to bed. Fuck this shit. 
Um, and so that was kind of happened today. And I did a little post. And of course, someone's got to talk about Paul Rubens being a pedophile or having child porn or some shit. So I, I was like, okay, look, I knew about the masturbating in a porn theater. And he got cited for that. But I'm like, dude, that's what people do in porn theaters. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's like, you know, arresting a guy for walking his dog in the park. That's what people do in the fucking park. They walk their dogs. He was whacking off in a porn theater because that's what they do in porn theaters. They whack off. <laughs> oh, man. So we got into this whole friggin' debate. And I was just getting tired of it. And I was like, okay, let, let me try and find this out. Because I had two of my friends arguing. So I go in and I was like, all right, let me try and settle this. So I go to the L.A. County records and I go to ask to search the criminal records. It's $5 to process. So I do the $5 and I get it and everything on Paul Rubens. And it's mostly just speeding tickets. And there's nothing, nothing about the child porn. And so I did a background check on him. That cost me $30. <laughs> and I got all Paul Rubin's information, his fucking personal phone numbers, home addresses, every crime and everything. And once again, it's speeding tickets. And there's talk of him being on a sexual uh, register, like, you know, a predatory list or some shit. But it, it's never listed. It's not there. And, and there's, there's like, nothing. I'm digging and digging, and I'm not finding anything. So I'm like, unless I contact his attorney, who was representing him at the time, what the fuck? So I went through a ton of articles and a ton of interviews. And I finally boiled it down to this. Okay, so Paul Rubens had in his possession a bunch of old magazines. And, yeah, some of them were porn, you know, like uh, the sexy lady or some bullshit. But then once again, they were like the early 1900s. And they, uh, so there were, you know, photos of young nude men. And they weren't sure what age, you know, they were maybe 17 or 19. They don't know. Um, and then there were also like uh, stuff from like a photo study that someone had done. And there were like some nude teens in it. It's not erotic. It was more of a scientific like, you know, type of shit you would find in a science book. So Paul Rubens had these as art, and someone gave some kind of a fucking tip and said it was child porn, and they brought it in, and the DA was saying they were going to prosecute, and they were going to throw him in jail, da-da-da. But they settled it to, like, a misdemeanor <laughs> with, like, a $250 fine. It was like, okay, obviously this wasn't as serious as they said it was. And so some people, why he didn't just fight it in court, and it was like it was honestly just cheaper just to pay the fine, didn't want to turn it into a spectacle, which is understandable. Because he's got the whacking off in the porn theater shit in his past. So he's like, you know, I don't want to fucking make some issue into this. Now, he did have a friend, Jeffrey Jones, who uh, apparently worked on the film Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he got convicted of having child porn and was arrested. Not Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens was like, I had these things. They were not erotic. It was more like old art. And if you've ever seen old photos and old nude photos and old erotic photos... You and I both know that they are, like, absolutely not arousing, okay? A lot of bush. A lot of bush. Oh, my Lord. So much bush. So much bush you think you in the bushlands. It is just, like, unfreaking, like, it's like, oh, my God. It's like my grandma's grandma trying to get sexy. It's like, what? Am, what is this? She has knickers? Who the fuck wears knickers? <laughs> 
Oh, man. I'm still getting out, still trying to be a good parent. Had to go to some kids' parties, and those are always tough for me because I'm, like, antisocial, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> but I'm, I'm nice, I'm kind, I help out with the kids, I do what I can. But my, my youngest daughter, we went to this party, and you know how they got those inflatable bounce houses that also have, like, slides and, and little pools and water and stuff? Well, they had one that was really, like easy to get up and down and then they had another one out in the open that was kind of steep and so my youngest who's four keeps trying to climb up to do this and she does it a couple of times but then she falls she hits her foot she sprains her ankle poor kid is crying like crazy um the the, the parents there uh rick and and them they um they were great. They, they they got her ice for her ankle and Tylenol, and they put a little footstool to put her foot up and everything. So she was sad for a bit because she couldn't go and play, and then she tried walking a couple times, still hurt. But we just waited and waited kind of for the Tylenol to kick in, and then she was all right. She was able to still get cake and do the pinata and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell you right now, the biggest headache I've had. <coughs> oh, man. <coughs> has been trying to get health insurance. (laughs) See, I'm self-employed. I don't make that much money. And so because of that, I'm trying to, like, find health insurance. Now, I'm in the great state of Texas, and the great state of Texas decided to opt out of the whole affordable health care thing. So I'm not getting the same options as other folks. So when I go in and I give them my low income and all this problems and all that, oh man, they um they immediately are like, okay, you need to go to the Medicaid office because that's what Texas is options are. Either you're gonna pay five hundred dollars a month for like Blue Cross Blue Shield, or you're gonna get Medicaid. <coughs> so I'm like, why well, I, I can't do five hundred fucking dollars a month because beforehand with my late wife, yes, she was in a wheelchair. We needed the health insurance. And we got it through her work, and we got really good insurance. But after she died, that insurance stopped. Cobra wanted, like, $3,000 a month. It was fucking unbelievable. And so I went ahead and stopped. So I was like, look, let's just do Medicaid so we have something. But then (laughs) I go through all this shit to get the Medicaid. I'm giving them all our paperwork and all our files and identification and birth certificates and marriage certificates and death certificates, fucking everything. And we finally fucking get it. All of us are set. We've all got this Medicaid insurance, and it's like superior health insurance or some shit. But then I called our pediatrician, our dentist, our doctors. No one accepts it. No one fucking wants it. No one wants to touch it. And I can only go to certain doctors and certain pediatricians and all that shit. And I'm like, you are fucking kidding me. Like, I, you know, obviously our doctors and dentists and everything, you know, they were set up when we lived closer to town now we're out in the country so i wouldn't mind making some changes but i don't fucking know any of these doctors and shit and the fact that i can't choose and pick i have to go through medicaid's only one i'm like this is so fucking crazy and yes i do believe that we should be spending money on universal health care because it's cheaper than spending money on fucking tanks we're not going to use or a fucking b1 bomber we're never going to fly because it's all fucking drones with tomahawk missiles and shit now Oh, God. So I'm going through this. And so finally, I call 
the doctor's office, the pediatrician, because school's coming up. I got to get my girls a physical, make sure they got all are all up to date, and blah, 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 blah. So <clears throat> I'm going to go to um, – so I go to the pediatrician. I talk to the billing department, and I said, look, can I just do cash? You know, I know we got the whole Medicaid thing, but I'll just leave that aside, and <clears throat> we'll do cash. <clears throat> and they tell me they can't. There are laws that say that if you're on Medicaid and you go to a doctor, the doctor cannot accept cash from you. So while you're on Medicaid, you can only go to Medicaid and you can only do Medicaid, and that's fucking it. Fuck you. Here's your shitty insurance. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm like, okay, we can go through pay, uh, you know, go through Medicaid and pay little and have to restart everything. Or I just say, fuck these people. <laughs> tell stop the medicaid and just pay cash because honestly the doctor's visits are only about a hundred bucks or something i mean what i would pay in about two months is about the amount of money it would take for services for us so instead of paying a 500 dollars deductible or whatever the fuck it is for an entire year and we don't use it we need the two cleanups from the dentist uh, a year we need the one checkup you know maybe we come in on some emergency sometime for something but like you know we don't you know <laughs> we don't really need it so i'm like we could probably just do cash and be okay and work something out that way you know but uh yeah i'm seriously like why what the fuck medicaid what the fuck so um I'm I'm tempted to drop the whole fucking thing. I'm just like not happy with it. Maybe there's some cheap HMO somewhere that I could uh, that I could take. I don't know. I don't know. Oh god. Oh, and speaking of good old Pee Wee Herman and the whole sex scandal there and child porn. Uh, the Catholic churches in New York just paid out a hundred million dollars to sexual abuse victims that now makes the total over four billion dollars the catholic church has paid out and of the you know four to five thousand priests who have been named and those that have been convicted i mean i think only 252 have actually been convicted out of four to five thousand that's not enough <laughs> like these fuckers belong under the prison okay i'm sorry i'm sorry um, I, I very much agree with uh, Jason, the Alaskan Avenger. Um, this guy uh, tracked down pedophiles and beat him with a hammer. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, why is that guy in jail? Uh, he should have a medal. He should be a member of the Avengers. The fuck? <laughs> got to get, gotta get some T-shirts, man. Uh, anyway, so let me get you on to... What we're talking about today, man. And what we're talking about today from the title is Letters to the Dead. And this is something I did as kind of personal therapy. And I'm going to share it here with you today to see that this is actually a practice that um, psychologists and therapists use for patients who are dealing with grief and loss of a loved one. Um, so when people ask me how I'm doing, I say terrible. <laughs> because that's the truth i'm terrible i cry every day i feel like there's a spike going through my chest 
It is absolute fucking hell. Um, my kids are probably the main thing, the main thing that have kept me from just losing my shit, man. Because um, it's fucking tough. It's fucking hell. And, yeah, do I want to crawl into a fucking bottle? Yes, I want to crawl into a bottle. That would be nice, but um, <clears throat> I can't. It's not an option for guys like me, man. It's just not an option. So, you know, sometimes I understand how it can feel kind of odd doing these kinds of things and going through this because this is one thing I, I, I didn't like about seeing therapists is just they're just like, oh, you'll know. Because I'm like, when should the pain stop or when should I move on or what should I do? And they're just like, oh, you'll know. No, I won't know. I'm a fucking mess, man. My mind is a fucking just like I am being held together with duct tape and little tiny strings that want to break and are on fire. Okay, I don't fucking know. I don't. I'm fumbling through the shit blind. I've never lost someone this close to me before. And and for those of you that don't know, my wife and I, we met when we were 16. We got married just before we turned 20. We were married for 22 years. All right? This was not like, oh, yeah, we married for a couple of years and then something happened. No. This was years. This was decades. Decades of love and devotion, of having someone next to you. And I can't... Fuck, I can't even sleep. I'm all fucked up, man. I'm a big goddamn myth. You can't roll cigarettes. Hemp cigarettes. I got a little roller machine. It helps. But, you know, they just... Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like they, the, this, the flame goes out so quickly. It's just... It doesn't help. <clears throat> but anyway, these... Um, this whole act of writing a letter to a loved one that's passed on is a process. And I'm going to talk about the process today, a little bit of the why and the how. So that way we can kind of cover those bases here for folks. Now it has been proven that writing letters to lost and late loved ones is a therapeutic it has therapeutic offense to help you cope with the loss of that person. Um, you can disclose deep emotions through the writing that you might be afraid to share with other people. This is why we pay therapists, because we can say whatever we want and have no fear of judgment. Yeah, you got to pay someone for that. <clears throat> but it's through the writing, and by doing this, it releases the stress. You can express yourself without judgment and let that person know how you're doing and how you're feeling and uh, I uh, I share my pain here <clears throat> I know a lot of people out there like to share their successes and their love life and their businesses and their children and and their dinner plates <laughs> ooh I ate this for dinner look at it everyone it's amazing <clears throat> but me I um, I share pain because we all have pain. There is no life that is free from suffering. We are all having to deal with something. And I think that's why people listen is because they understand, yes, this person has pain. And I can relate to that because I've had pain like that or I've had similar pain. So this is something here that 
that can start. That's 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 a good reason why to release the stress. And I do have to admit, it's like that. And I and I've said this before on the show that misery is like a jar filled with water that you need to empty. If you empty it all at once, it's going to be a mess. But if you do a little bit at a time, then you can uh, empty that big jar without spilling it all over the place. And so that's what I kind of have to do, you know. And it's tough because I'll be riding with my kids in the car and a memory or something will come up and I'll immediately kind of start tearing up and I'll have to stop myself because <clears throat> I don't want to cry in front of my kids. We're listening. They're listening to music. We're having fun. We're on a ride and dance car. Woohoo! <coughs> and I'm over here with like tears behind my eyes. Like, yeah, it's a great day. Oh, man. So how does one do this? How does one write a letter to the dead? Well, first, you write to them as if they're still alive. That's one of the things that, that, that really helps here. Um, it's, it's like they've only been absent for a time. That's what you're kind of thinking of. Like, they're, they're, they're still here. They're just, they came back from a very long trip. Or, as, as uh, some people have, uh, have done it, is, um, it's like writing to an old friend, which I think is kind of cool. Now, um, one of the tricks here when you do write these letters is that you don't edit yourself, man. Don't hold back. Totally uncensored. Let it go. Let it all flow. Let everything out. Because for me, when my wife was here, that's the person I was able to go to. The person I could just take a freaking mental dump and she would listen and understand. And I did the same for her. You know, you help each other and uh, find that balance and you're able to kind of release without having to pay a therapist. And you feel better. You feel like get it off your chest and you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only person seeing this. And um, you understand. Now, you can use any way to do this letter. You want to do pencil and paper. You want to do your iPhone. You want to do a computer, Microsoft Word, whatever. Write it and get it down. That's the main thing. Okay. And be honest, all right? Like I said, uncensored. Don't hold back. Apologize if you have to, you know. Maybe you did some things while the wife was gone. It's like, sorry, uh, so our daughter has shorter hair because she got. I gave her some bubble gum and she got hair in her gum and we couldn't get it out. So, yeah, shit. <laughs> you know, sorry about that one. Uh <coughs> But you really need to talk to them, let them know what's going on, uh, how you feel, what's up, and and like just bringing them up to date, you know, about everything and all that. Uh, so there is a little why and the how. Just quick examples right there. Now in Judaism, we we are about going with the flow and taking it easy. So hey man, if a guy's feeling sad and blue, let him let him feel it. Let him ride the wave, and when he comes back, he comes back. But when you go through something like this, when you lose someone you love, it's a scar, and it changes you. <clears throat> it's going to be different. You're going to feel different, and it's going to be tough. Real fucking tough. Really, 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 really fucking tough. 
Like, I wish I could throw a chair through the window. <clears throat> but I don't. Instead, I have a smoke. I have a drink. I definitely try to get out there and talk with friends. I got invited to a birthday party on this week, a friend of mine. And so I'm like, I'm going to go. Because this is the promise I made to myself. If someone invited me to go out and there wasn't some big pressing thing going on, like kids recital or a family trip or some shit, I, I would go. <clears throat> I'm like, all right, we're going to go and we're going to do this and it's going to be great. <laughs> hey. <clears throat> and that's one of the things I talk about when you're dealing with grief is you got to force yourself. You got to push yourself to get the fuck out there and remind yourself you're still alive. And yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, people are going to ask you questions and I've had to talk to people. People are like, oh, your wife died. What happened? And I have to spill out the whole fucking story and just, here's the scar and it's still bleeding. <laughs> Stitches are still in there. Little infected. I should probably get it checked. <sighs> and um, that part's tough. But once again, it's a way to release, you know. A way to help. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the letter I wrote to my late wife. Her name was Kristen. I used to call her Sugar because she was my Sugar and I love my Sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to try to read this without crying. I have not been able to read this out loud without crying. So I'm going to give it a shot. And what was really sad was that on the family vacation, after I go to see her grave and I read this, there's like this family barbecue, family gathering where everybody wanted to see me and the kids. And I kind of stayed in the back room. <laughs> it's just, I'm telling you, man, it ripped my heart out of my ass. <sighs> Didn't feel good. I know it was supposed to be a thing where it's like, it's supposed to feel good. There, I mean, it felt, I felt better afterwards but in the process it's like shit it's like getting a tooth pulled without any novocaine man they just right it's like yeah are you, are you better yeah i'm better but oh god the blood everything tastes like i'm bleeding okay here's the letter here we go dear sugar I finally got to come by and visit your grave now that the headstone has been put in place. I have to admit it's hard for me to be here. It's been over six months since you left us, and the pain has not gotten any less. I've been told that this pain will last for the rest of my life, and I'm starting to understand. I got you some flowers at the store. There was this little florist shop, and I had them do a bouquet of carnations. Remember how I couldn't afford roses, and so all I could get were carnations. You still love them all the same, just because they were from me. The girls have been doing good in school. Evie's in the summer camp, and Lily, well, her and I are working on building a video game. I think it'll be good to teach her how to code. Your mom has really helped out with Evie. She's been so patient with her. Your mom has probably watched Despicable Me about a thousand times. I don't know where I would be without her help. Your dad has been working on the lawn. It looks great, and he took out a lot of the weeds, and there's grass growing everywhere. I try to encourage him as much as I can, because he said that that's all he knows how to do. Well, I finally got a new car. I know you've been bugging me for years to get one. 
well, the old SUV finally broke down, and I didn't have much of a choice. Just got a simple truck, but I think you'd like it. It's been so hard without you. I still cry every day, and I don't know what to do with your things. We donated your clothes and your wheelchairs and your medical supplies and even the van. You and I both know that there are people out there who needed it more than us. It's still hard to look at your picture, and I still can't sleep at night. I've only had one dream where you were alive and you came back and everyone was so happy. I know I have to let go of that dream. I know I have to let go of you. You were one in a billion. I'm never going to find someone like you. Lily still can't talk about you. Every time I try to get her to talk, she starts crying and begs me to stop. Evie, well, she was asking about you every day. She begged me to go to heaven and bring you home. I had to tell her that I couldn't. I had to tell her that she wouldn't see you for a long, very long time. She asked me to rub her back every night just so she can sleep, just like you did. <coughs> Sometimes this doesn't feel real. Sometimes I think I'm living in a movie and I just want it to end. Some days I have these moments when I feel like you're just going to come through the door and everything's going to be fine. And it is only in those moments when I feel at peace. You weren't supposed to go. I thought we had so much more time. I don't know why I thought we had more time, but it just felt like we did. We'd been together for so long, I thought we would grow old together, just like we talked about. And now I'm growing old without my love, without my friend. And I'm just so damn scared. But I'll keep my promise. I'll keep the girls safe and happy. I'll keep our little boat afloat and be the best captain I can be. I hope I'll make you proud. Still your loving husband, Philip. Well, I didn't totally break down, so that's good. I tell you what, folks, why don't we take five minutes, man? Just five minutes of silence to think about this. And maybe this is something you think that you could do and that would benefit you. As a person who has done it, I say give it a shot. I started writing letters to my wife after she passed all the way um, just a few days after. And I just kept writing this is the most current one out of a personal journal. So I straight ripped out some real personal shit for this one. I probably shouldn't have, but it is just like I said, man, I share my pain because I know you guys have probably dealt with pain too. So let's just take five minutes to meditate, pray, chant, have a smoke. I'm going to have a smoke and a drink. Um, But let's go ahead and let's start that five minutes right now.
Well, folks, that's time. Hope you're able to take the time to kind of relax, take some time for yourself, get a little peace of mind, man. I know, Lord, I'm going to be taking all the drugs I can to try to sleep tonight. <laughs> it's like, please, Mr. Blue Pills. Please, Mr. Alcohol. Come on. Put my ass to sleep. But yeah, I know, you don't mix those together, all right? All right let's just be sensible. Uh, but I hope I was able to share something today that might help, something you might be able to use. And even at the end of the day, let's say you don't have to write one of these letters. Well, then, my friend, you are lucky. You're blessed. Feel good about yourself. Go have a cookie. <laughs> but me, uh, I'm just going to try to get some sleep, man, because... I got bags under my eyes so big, I got to check them in at the airport, girl. Mm-hmm. Can't do nothing with this. Mm-mm. Ain't no cream going to solve these eyes. Uh-uh. Look like a raccoon and shit. <laughs> so anyway, I hope it helps, and I hope that, uh, that when you're going out in this world and you're dealing with all the madness, man, I hope you remember to take it easy. Because when you take it easy, the dude abides. All right, man. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you next time.